Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Goes in the Spurs Cast, episode 646. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Benjamin Bornstein. In this episode, Ben and I will discuss the latest Spurs trade rumors two weeks from the deadline, Jakob Pertl's paint scoring, and Devin Vassell's January play. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode with Ben. Ben, how are you doing? Sir, I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing very well. You know, it's nice to have you on. It's been a while. I, I know we have a big rotation here on the Spurs cast, so you've been on since October. So it's great to hear from you again. Uh, let's jump right into this episode, Ben, because we have a lot to get through. Yeah, um, so, so let's first visit the Spurs and kind of how they've been uh, performing since I last recorded the Spurs cast. They went one in three in the last four games. So obviously, not, you know, not a very good record there. Uh, f- let's go back to Friday last week. The Spurs were hosting the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they lost by 15 in this game. Brooklyn was favored by one. There was no Kevin Durant. So this, this is why, you know, Vegas only had the Nets favored by one. Uh, the Nets, it was a pretty close game throughout. But then in the fourth quarter, the Nets kind of just took control and showed their, you know, why they have that, you know, this that big two of, um, of, of Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Then on Sunday, the Spurs um, hosted the Philadelphia 76ers. They lost by six in this one. Again, Philly was only favored by one because Philly was missing multiple rotation players who gave the Spurs a hard time last time with guys like Seth Curry out, uh, 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 Matisse Thybul. However, Philly still had, you know, Tobias Harris. They still had um, uh, Joel Embiid, who's just been just been tearing up the league right now, not just the Spurs. And so yeah. uh, the Spurs did fall by, behind by 15 in this one, but they got they, they went back and they got it to crunch time, but then they ended up losing. They couldn't pull off the, the, the full comeback. Then on Tuesday, the Spurs traveled to Houston, um, where they just easily, you know, just mopped the floor with Houston. They won by 30. They were favored by four and a half. This was not really a close game at all. Uh, And then Wednesday, the Spurs traveled back to San Antonio on the second out of back-to-back. They host the Memphis Grizzlies, and they end up losing here by eight against the Grizzlies. Memphis was favored uh, in this game. And so the Spurs, again, kind of like the Philly game, the Spurs fell behind early by 15. They came back, and they fought back, and they got it to crunch time, but they couldn't pull out the win. Uh, Ben, what have your thoughts been on these last four games? I mean, they, they pretty much did what they're expected to. If honestly, if anybody should feel bad, it's ESPN because they they basically flex the Memphis game out of the national spotlight, which is absolutely stupid to me. They got a really terrible Heat Knicks game that wasn't nearly as exciting as this game was. John Moran had, I think, forty one points. Dejounte mm-hmm. Murray had a triple double. This game had everything. I feel. I feel like this is a, a recurring uh, SNL sketch with Bill Hader, which is, you know, uh, th- this club has everything. It's got, 
you know, and then I, and then I got to tell you all the list of everything, but it's, it, I have a lot of issues with ESPN, but th- this schedule went about the way you thought it might. The loss at Brooklyn by 15 was a little upsetting. Hanging with Philly by six is pretty good for them, especially battling back. But it feels like a lot of this season has been the Spurs battling back from brutal deficits and just coming up short. I, I think I, I see I see the updated stat from you after every single game. Oh, the Spurs <laughs> are one and X when falling behind by 20. They're uh, one and X when falling behind by you know, 25 They're one and you know, however many yeah. X and X when they fall behind by 15, it's like, that's, there's too many big deficits. I, you just, I don't care how good your team is. You're just granted. There's, there are some plays that probably should have broken the Spurs way at by now, just yeah. by pure amount of times they've been in those situations. I mean, even the Clippers, came back from 35 down and beat the wizards. I mean, how, how have the Spurs not done this more than once this season? They've had so many opportunities, but um, that's, that's just the way the season has gone, man. It's, it's just been brutal to watch there. There are times where you think, Oh man, the Spurs might have it together. They, they might, the offense might be there where it's supposed to be. And then you realize that defense is a real problem and not in a good way oh for sure and um you know this is kind of something i've noticed from pop i mean he's i think in a way you can almost tell he's kind of tired of what you're saying where he's actually just been saying it straight up after press conferences he's saying you know we spotted them this you know this many points again we spotted them an early first quarter and and just the fact that pop's basically saying you know they're not coming out with that 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 aggressiveness that you know keeping the games close and they're having to fight back every single time and kind of what you just said there you know i don't know the the record either you know i know i know it's one and something okay i just found it one in 20 went down by 15 there you go (laughs) two and 29 went down by 10 so just the fact that if you even go by down by 10 they've only won two of those games to come back at a 31 so so again the the law of averages has to come into play at some point right yeah so i don't know i mean of of 30 what you're telling me 31 31 games Mm -hmm. where the deficit has been 10 points yes they have won two of those Mm -hmm. they've only come back twice twice yes i get the nba is a very good league and it is very hard to win but the spurs should have come come back from that deficit more than twice at this point in the season. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's just wild. Some of those numbers. So again, you know, like, like, you know, like we both kind of said, you know, this is kind of something that pop's been mentioning uh, just that, that, that aggressive is not there on the start. And then, you know, as we're about to talk about here, it's really just been their defense has completely slipped uh, even, even though they're starting to get a lot of their players back. Um, so, you know, how did the Spurs do these last four games? You know, they kind of went how Vegas thought they'd go. They, they were supposed to go one and three. They ended up going one and three. They weren't able to basically get any of those steals against Brooklyn or Philly where they had a pretty good shot of trying to win those games. Uh, so overall, where are they right now? As Ben and I record on a Thursday evening, uh, they are 18 and 31 overall. They're still 12th, you know, from when I last recorded a week ago. They're, they've fallen a little bit further behind uh, Portland for 10th. So now they're two and a half back. They were one and a half back. They're still, as far as where their lottery odds are, they're now, they still have the seventh record. That's kind of been the same thing for a few weeks now which is a 34% chance of the top four pick and 8% chance of the number one overall pick offense. They've kind of stayed the same. They're still 16th on offense, but 
something Ben just mentioned, you know, they've dropped on defense, even, even just in a week, they went from 17th last week to now, to now 19th, um, you know, and then just some other uh, updates on the team. Kata Bates job is the latest player to enter health and safety protocols. Uh, Bates job makes now 12 players who have been uh, entered into health and safety protocols at one point this season. Uh, Zach Collins uh, is now starting to go back and forth between um, Austin and San Antonio, though he hasn't been on the Spurs' active roster just yet. The, uh, Coach Pop says they're really, really going to take their time with bringing Zach back. They want to make sure he's really comfortable and ready to play at the NBA level. So they're just sending him uh, to play in different Austin games right now. So there's no timetable yet when he's actually going to join the Spurs. San Antonio team. And unfortunately for DeJounte Murray, some pretty bad news here. I mean, again, the, the all-star um, numbers haven't come out. I mean, the, the, the picks, but some very um, upsetting news, I guess, if, 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 you're, if you're looking at the Western Conference is the fact that Andrew Wiggins, who wasn't pretty much on any you know media that I've, that I've, that I've read, uh, that hit their ballots, Andrew Wiggins was voted in as an all-star starter because of, you know, pretty much the fan vote really helped him get there. And so now, now that Wiggins is there as a, as a starter, it kind of, you know, DeJounte was probably, uh, as, as uh, Colin Reed and I had talked about two weeks ago, DeJounte was kind of in that 12 spot for the West, the West, but now that's going to shift everybody down a spot. So, you know, unless there's like an injury replacement, it, it does look very tough. I'm not saying he's out, but I'm saying his odds have just got even more um, difficult to get into that All-Star game after he was in pretty good position to get in, uh, had this, this issue not happen with Andrew Wiggins. Uh, ben, did you have any comments there about any, any of that, uh, any of that, that information I just shared? Yeah, I have all the comments about all the information you just shared, Paul. It's very upsetting, as you just said. There's absolutely no reason why DeJounte Murray should not be an NBA All-Star. If people are putting so much emphasis on triple-doubles and if it means so much to them, then he should be a shoe-in. He's second, I think, only to Jokic, and he might even be tied with Jokic for triple-doubles on the season. There's absolutely no excuse. All right? The reason that Andrew Wiggins, a, a known, uh, not a scrub, he's a starter, but he's not an all-star. No. Because he plays in the Bay, mm-hmm. and they have rabid fans right now, and they go vote every single day, he gets voted into the all-star game. That's how that works. If, if San Antonio fans weren't as apathetic as they are right now, and they were going online and they were voting every single day and they were retweeting every single day. Now that's, that's not everybody. Of course there are plenty of Spurs fans out there who are voting and doing their part. But you know, if you look at the attendance at a lot of home games, it is not a good look right now. And those golden state warriors went through some pretty bad times to get where they are now. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a lot of apathy in the fan base, but it's also, there's absolutely no reason why fan voting should hold as much weight as it does. It makes zero sense. That mm-hmm. is that is like waiting in, in a college course. That is like waiting all of the daily homework to be 95% of your grade and then the your your you know your mid-semester and your end of semester exams holding five percent of the weight that makes no sense the guy who fails on the exam but does all of the homework and does it perfectly right is still going to get an a that's what's happening here and that doesn't make sense and it's not fair to guys who are actual all-stars who actually mean something to their team and who i mean who put up actual numbers yeah Wiggins' like, numbers get inflated because he's playing next to Steph Curry and, every night. Who is DeJounte Murray playing next to every night to feed him the ball and make him look better than he is? 
He doesn't get to play with Clay Thompson. He doesn't get to play with Draymond Green. He doesn't get to play with Steph Curry. He is doing everything for the Spurs right now. And it just, again, what what am I supposed to get mad at, at, you know, Golden State fans who are always, you know, every fan base is going to always vote their guys in. That's how it works. I mean, we're, you you want to have a, a reason to be upset with Houston fans and and basically the entire country of China? I mean, Yao Ming had a season where he played eight games and missed the season because of injury and was still voted into the All Star game. That's and right. this was when the foot injury was announced in the before, way before voting even mm-hmm. began. But people don't care. That's the problem. You have a lot of frankly dumb fans who are voting, just doing whatever people tell them to do, and they don't actually watch other teams play. That's what yeah. it is. I said it. That's all I'm going to do. I think I'm pretty sure I've gone on this rant on the Two Shots podcast too. So now I'm done. Please <laughs> never ask me about all-star voting again because that yeah. is my opinion, and until it changes, that will always be my opinion. Well, you just brought something back. I mean, I remember we used to have this issue years ago, not, not, not from a Spurs perspective, just the fact that we were getting some, you know, just guys that were getting voted into the All-Star game as starters that did not belong in the game at all. And now it, it hasn't been that bad lately, but now today's, I think, was really bad. The fact that, yes, like, if it, even if it wasn't DeJounte who was that 12th pick for the All-Star game, you know, someone's going to get left out who should have been in, in the All-Star game, most likely from and, the Western and Conference. And now you're depending on exactly. All-Star game coaches to choose the reserves and rectify an issue that the NBA itself has created. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or like if somebody's not able to play, you know, for injury replacement, maybe there's a, there's that chance, but I mean, that's right. just you're, not right. You know, you shouldn't be wanting to, to hope that, you know, somebody gets hurt or, or can't, right. You're, can't you're, you're now a crazy person and hoping yeah. someone gets hurt yeah, so yeah. that you can feel vindicated. Exactly. It's ridiculous. So, yeah. So it doesn't I mean, make sense. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, again, we're not saying DeJounte is out, but we are saying that yes, with Andrew Wiggins now getting that starting spot, it does make his road to the, all- the shots game. Are you, long. even, yeah, it's a very long shot now with the, with all the, you know, cause all those other 12 players in front of him are, are 11 players are, are now going to be ahead now uh, in that, in that decision-making anyway, let's move on to our next topic. And this is a, again, um, you know, it's, it's a, like I said, Ben, it's, it's a Thursday. I just thought it was a calm day. And then all of a sudden I get home and I see a bunch of just different rumors about the Spurs and I'm getting text messages from people like, you know, what's going on. And so, you know, I had to dive in and just see exactly, you know, what's, what's legit and what's, you know, what, what can we actually look at? So we got Lindsay uh, Lohan out here, just calling rumors. <laughs> so, so there's, so, so there's just different, um, uh, uh, you know, some, some, um, respectable journalists that I, that I trust a lot of their reporting. So, um, you know, two of them that, that I, that I saw today that we'll, we'll discuss here on the Spurs cast, uh, that's Jake Fisher of Bleach Report. He had a, he had a big piece out on not just the Spurs, but, um, a lot of different teams and, and, um, and, uh, different trade rumors. And then also Zach Lowe had a podcast, uh, low post his podcast with Bobby Marks. And they're also, you know, two, two uh, guys who are very plugged into the league. And so they also mentioned the Spurs a number of times on their, on, on, on their show. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team, bet just $5, and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code 
TBPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So that's why I want to try kind of, I basically broke down um, the different kind of uh, rumors that are going on here. So let's first begin with John Collins round two. Here we go again. So we just spent all of last summer thinking the Spurs were going to get sent him a max offer and all this stuff. We were doing all those different scenarios all through the offseason. And then nope, he re-signed with Atlanta. Well, the, the Hawks are off to a, to a pretty bad start uh, right now. And, uh, you know, according to Jake Fisher of Bleach Report and also Zach Lowe on his podcast, it, it does sound like the Hawks are being more, uh, uh, they're entertaining a lot more co- co- calls for Collins. Zach Lowe basically mentioned that ever since like that, those rumors about Ben Simmons uh, b- being in the mix with Atlanta started coming out, that's kind of been it. Like since then, like now it looks like there's just way more chatter about John Collins. Uh, and so Fisher noted that um, from what he's heard, he heard that the Hawks are seeking a first round pick and a starting, a starting caliber player uh, for Collins. He also mentioned that that the Hawks, not the Spurs, the Hawks have called the Spurs about Derek White. So they've been inquiring about Derek White. And of course, we know there's a big history between the Spurs and the Hawks. Uh, I mean, not, not the Spurs and the Hawks, but the Spurs and Collins. Uh, there's, there was all those rumors last offseason about the Spurs being interested in him. Uh, and then also the Mavericks are also just kind of the same place where, where they're very interested in John Collins. Uh, what does his contract look like? Um, Collins is making 23 million this season. We know that he just signed a five-year deal. So he is on the books for the next five years. His last year as a player option. Um, you know, Derek White, I know he's been, you know, in that rumor. So he's making 15.2 million right now. Uh, you know, what could some, again, I'm not reporting that these are deals that are in progress. I'm just saying these, what could a trade trade for Collins look like with, with these players involved? Uh, one, one deal could look like maybe like Derek White, um, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, cause he's on an expiring and, uh, and it has $4 million salary and a first for Collins or uh, Derek White, Kata Bates job, Drew Eubanks and, and a first for, for Collins. Again, I'm, I'm not saying that these are going to happen. I'm just showing what an example would look like. Uh, if it was just the Hawks having interest in White and the Spurs not getting Collins back, well, then Profit X has a few packages here. Uh, Kevin Herter and Okonglu for, for White, and maybe, you know, draft assets. Uh, uh, DeAndre Hunter, Okonglu, and, and Lou Williams for White, draft assets, or um, Okonglu, Williams, and, and Gorgie Jang for, for Derek White. So I know it's a lot of information, Ben. What are your thoughts on this, on this latest um, uh, chatter between, uh, or just rumors about the Spurs having interest again in, in John Collins? It just feels weird that they'd ask for so many guards. Um, I mean, Lonnie, I get expiring contract and you don't have to commit to him. Yeah. Oh, let me pause you real quick. So, so these are just um, the, the Lonnie being mentioned. Those are just packages I, I put together like uh, sure. that I'm using from, from ProfitX. So again, they're not, nobody's reporting this. I'm just, just wanted okay. to give, give you an, a, a, what a package could look like. So uh, yeah, if you're the Hawks, I'm not sure you're looking for a whole lot of guards right now. You have mm-hmm. obviously Trey Young is your guy. You have DeLon Wright, you have Kevin Herter, you have Lou Williams, you have Bogdan Bogdanovich. I mean, those are all very good players. And even the, the two guys you have on two ways in Sharif Cooper and Skylar Mays have shown a little bit for you. But um, I don't know. It feels like it would be kind of serendipitous if the Spurs ended up with John Collins anyway. And they said, well, we didn't have to go out and overpay him. Someone else did that for us. And might've even been at a number that we're comfortable with. So, yeah. you know, l- let's make a deal Atlanta. And I think if they can get John Collins, you, you have a legitimate front court pairing 
with Pirtle and Collins. Collins being, of course, the more offensively minded guy with Pirtle being able to rim protect. And, and John Collins is not bad in that regard by any means, but obviously he is a guy who who can step outside and shoot it and mm-hmm. and you know give give you more space on offense uh, rather than potentially posting up Pirtle more and and trying to make him create offense, which is not ideal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I agree with you there. Um, you know, again, you know, like you said, you know, the Spurs didn't have to go out if they were to pull this off, you know, they, they, they didn't have to go out and give them that full max of 28 million. I think we were talking about in the summertime uh, instead, you know, yet you get them for 23 million this season, then, you know, for five years. Uh, and then also I think that there's just be more opportunity for, for him being on a, on a younger team with the Spurs, a, a team that's rebuilding right now, just to get more, more opportunity, um, you know, especially on offense to kind of expand this game where he doesn't probably get that opportunity uh, with Atlanta right now. So again, again, you know, that's something to watch. And, and again, we want to address these trade rumors right now because of how quickly that Bryn Forbes deal came together it was reported by a journalist just like a few days and then all of a sudden boom Bryn Forbes is off the team and, and he gets traded so again we are going to take you know some of these rumors a little bit more seriously now uh also there's uh Zach Lowe and, and Bobby Marks had some updates on the Spurs where um they said uh you know people are calling the Spurs uh in regards to just asking about Derek White and DeJounte Murray so their their names are coming up in trade rumors I remember just last week uh Brian Windhorst of ESPN reported that uh, teams have also been calling about Murray but the Spurs have basically been saying no uh that and, and that they would teams would probably try again in the offseason uh, according to Lowe and, and Bobby Marks they both think that the Spurs right now are, are swatting away any kind of deals for Murray so like basically it's, it almost sounds like Murray's off the table unless something there's something very very um substantial right there a uh, kind of trade package uh and then uh, jake fisher also reported um something that we discussed last week on the spurs cast that the raptors and multiple teams have been calling about yaka Pirtle. um and uh and, and according to fisher's reporting uh, the spurs are seeking strong return uh, a strong return in any deal for Pirtle. so we don't know what that means strong return but but obviously you know like like uh who was it last week joe garcia and i just spoke last week we just basically said you know unless it's it's either somebody better than Pirtle or you know they're at the at the big position or it's you know a, a first round pick which i don't think teams are going to give up for Pirtle right now uh I, I just don't see that um what are your because thoughts it would be on two first round picks yes yeah, exactly so i just don't know i don't know yet uh you know and, and again in terms of first round picks i'm talking about like it depends what what position uh, the teams are in um so what are your thoughts on, on those two rumors um teams call about wide and murray and, and also Pirtle. i mean Pirtle has played really well this season so i absolutely understand why teams are trying to come after him and see if they can pry him from the spurs because he's he's one of those guys who could be kind of you know your missing piece for a championship run if you know you need if you really need a defensive big um he could potentially come off the bench for you and he would basically be a second starter at center and you would feel comfortable playing him a lot of minutes. Whereas, you know, maybe if you're the Suns, you don't feel all that great. I mean, you obviously have DeAndre Ayton, but you don't want him playing a ton of ton of minutes. And so he would be a perfect guy that maybe you go after, but I think they feel comfortable enough in their backups, despite all of the injuries to their front court this year. Um, But there are definitely teams out there maybe even the 76ers who feel like they need to shore things up because Joel Embiid playing a lot of minutes, you know, is going to be bad news in the playoffs when he inevitably strains or hurts something, Mm -hmm. because that is basically what happens every single year. So yes, I'm not surprised to hear that people are interested in Pirtle. That's I, I frankly, if you're not interested in Pirtle and you are a team that can potentially make a move on him, shame on you. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, uh, seeking strong return is so vague. It's, yeah, that means exactly. next to nothing for me. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then the last player that the Spurs are, are, are rumored to have interest in, this is, uh, again, according to Fisher from Bleach Report, uh, Chetty Osman from the Cavs, uh, according to, to his reporting, the Spurs, the Hornets, the Mavs, and the Bucks are all looking for two-way wings, and they've called about Osman. Uh, they've called Cleveland about Osman. Uh, where does Osman's contract stand? He's making $8.1 million this season. He's under contract for two more years. The final year is non-guaranteed. Uh, you know, I looked, I, I used Profit X's um, trade trade tool and they kind of just projected a deal to look like uh, Trey Jones, Kata Bates job, and probably, you know, second round pick for, for, for Osmond. Again, I, I don't know if Cleveland would, would move Osmond. Um, I, I, if I was Cleveland, I wouldn't do that deal. But uh, what are your thoughts on the Spurs having interest in Osmond reportedly? Eh. Eh. <laughs> that doesn't do much for me. I, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, 8.1 mil. Okay. That's not really a contract. That's easily movable and he's the, at least the last year is not guaranteed so if you do decide he's not the guy for us then the spurs in that case can just let him go and it doesn't really hurt them or their their pockets more accurately their wallets but uh, i'm not sure what they would give up and i'm not sure it would be worth it for the production that you might get out of him especially because you have other wings or forwards that you should be playing if you're the Spurs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have Thad Young who should be playing. Frankly, I'm I'm a little surprised there aren't more rumors about Thad Young in the last couple of days, considering he's been pretty open about how he feels yeah. and, and wanting to get out. So I think that might end up being something of significance. But yeah, Osman just doesn't do anything for me. In that regard, you just there are guys you would rather play over him that know the system and you're comfortable with. And why go out and get another guy that you're going to have to teach him the system? And also, you you're supposedly have Zach Collins coming back. What, you know, why not let him play and see what he's got? He's been playing well in Austin. Give him some run in San Antonio already, and just see what you have. I mean if he shows that he's back from his injury and he's playing well and you can get him in a, in a few games before the trade deadline, he might be trade bait too. For all you know, that'd be kind of messed up. But if, if he shows that he's got great value and someone's willing to give you something decent in return, why not pull the trigger? Yeah. So, um, you know, just again, that, that's kind of, so those are like the latest rumors, obviously we, you know, they're probably going to heat up the rumor mill with the trade deadline now, just two weeks away. So it's getting closer. So we're probably gonna see more, more players mentioned, especially that young, like you mentioned, Ben, uh, his name will probably, uh, we'll start probably seeing his name a little bit more as well. Uh, and then the last topic here I want to discuss, Ben is, uh, just kind of Yaka Pertle and Devin Vassell's strong play lately. Uh, Devin's had a pretty good January. I know the month's about to, to, to wrap up here in 12 games so far through January, he's averaging 14 points per game on 12 shots, uh, six and a half, three point attempts, 37% shooting from three rebounding uh, five rebounds a game. And then assists are kind of the same for his season averages. Um, you know, and just overall, how has he been doing for the season? Uh, he, you know, behind Doug, he's, he's like the, the second most efficient shooter from almost anywhere on the floor. You look at his shot chart and, and he's just a really efficient shooter. Um, uh, Devin Vassell, especially that he's only in year two of his career. Uh, how, you know, what does he do when he has the ball in his hands, his shot breakdown 50% of the time he does shoot from three, 31% of the time he shoots in the paint. So he, he drives, uh, and then 19% of the time he takes, he takes the mid rangers. Uh, he's fifth right now in total drives on the team. So what does he do with the ball in his hands? He's 54% of the time. He's going to shoot it 33% of the time. He's going to pass it uh, 6% of the time. He'll turn it over. And then 5% of the time he gets to the free throw line. 
Um, he has been struggling on offense in crunch time, but you know, he's, he actually made his first crunch time shot just last night uh, in that loss uh, to, to the, uh, the Grizzlies. But you, you definitely see that pop wants him out there. He definitely trusts him right now because he continues to give him to give him that game experience. And he, he has a, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's among one of the top players in getting games uh, in crunch time. And then lastly, um, just something I've noticed, just kind of like his his defensive stats aren't as eye popping as they were last year on the team compared to his teammates. So so some of his defensive numbers are down a little bit compared to last year. Uh, what are your thoughts on Devin um, this month and just you know overall in his second season so far? I've really enjoyed watching him play this season. I think he's he's finally gotten more opportunities, mm-hmm. and and that's really what's been the driver here, um, at least the way I see it. But when you're the second most efficient shooter on the team, <laughs> that, that seems pretty, pretty, pretty good. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's not, there's nothing to be said about Devin that hasn't already been yeah. said in that he's playing extremely well. He's a guy who should be considered for more minutes. I don't know where, where you take them from, but, you you have to like how he's playing on offense. It's, he's kind of getting to the point where people thought he could be uh, and, and kind of those flashes we all saw last year as, as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And now that he's getting more time, he's having uh, the opportunity to really play it out, really shoot, shoot more, may obviously make more. Um, and, you know, you're saying he's not as disruptive on defense as he was last season, but I think part of that is because he's playing more minutes as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. he, he's playing for longer spurts and that's probably, that's always going to affect those numbers. But I also think there are some other glaring defensive issues from other parts yeah. of this team that contribute to that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, guys easily getting driven by or they, you know, they, they give up, they either close out too hard or they don't close out hard enough. And so Devin Vassell helps at times when maybe he shouldn't and should just leave it to Pirtle to try and clean things up. But um, some of it's him. Some of it's his teammates, I would say. Yeah. But yes, definitely not as good on defense as he was last season. Hopefully that can pick up, but I think that's going to require some sacrificing from other teammates and some, some better effort over the course of an entire game from everybody. Cause there are times mm-hmm. when guys just get into a lazy mode or they, you know, there's, there's always a, there's the third quarter collapse. I mean, it's trademark this season. It's just, it's bad. And mm-hmm. there's coming out of halftime. There is no reason to not be focused. Yeah. So again, you know, he, like, like we, like we both said, you know, the fact that, you know, he's only in year two and he's already, he's already the second most uh, efficient shooter on the team. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, you know, remarkable for him. And it just, it just takes me back to what uh, one thing uh, Drew Eubanks said in the preseason where he basically said, you know, anytime Devin's coming out off pick and roll, uh, he's automatic from that mid range. And, and that's kind of what we're seeing. Yes. He's not quite at 50% shooting mid range, but he's right there. He's, he's very close to that number. So, so yeah, you know, he's going to continue to grow into his, to his role and just learn how to expand his game. And so again, it's good to see that he's an efficient shooter pretty much anywhere on the floor that he's at that he's at uh and then the last player who's who's having a pretty good um run here uh, it's now this time i'm only going to focus on six games specifically uh, this is Jakob purtle ever since he came back from that back injury um in his last his last six games he's averaging 18.7 points per game so he's really increased his scoring uh 9.8 rebounds about the same for his season 
um, 3.2 assists, uh, and then 3.2 blocks. Uh, and what I really noticed is that, man, as I, as I do the, the game-by-game um, box scores, I'm looking at the, the points in the paint. He's averaging 15.6 points per points in the paint right now uh, over the last six games. And he and he's scoring up about 12 to 20 points in the paint each game. And what, what really, which, which game really caught my eye was the one against the Sixers where, Yes, Joel Embiid is just a beast. I mean, he was just having you know, what, what thirty-one or forty-one, whatever it was. Uh, and and you saw him, Joel, with twenty points in the paint. And all of a sudden, on the other side of the, of the box score, you see the Spurs. You see Pirtle with twenty points as well, kind of matching him there. And for a long time in that game, they were kind of going at it, not not going at each other specifically, but like it, it's weird because like Pirtle uh, get is is being this 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 pretty you know this aggressive on offense, but but he does it differently than Embiid. Whereas Embiid, you throw him the ball, you let him go dominate against opponents. Pirtle is is is, is a recipient of the of the passes that his teammates are setting up for him he's really good about about picking and rolling about hitting that little mid-range floater about just getting offensive boards and cleaning up so he's just been you know very effective uh, lately scoring the ball um let's talk about his whole season how he's doing uh, you know, the reason why he has a lot of points in the paint is that he takes a lot of his shots there. So 95% of his shot attempts do come from the paint this season. Um, he, he's he, Like I said, he's very good on close to the rim, whether it's dunking the bar or doing or finishing with layups. Uh, from that floater range, he's also, you know, just shot, uh, barely under 50%. Uh, he does have a team high 69 post-ups. I know the Spurs don't post up a lot, but he, he is a go-to player there when they do that. 41% of the time in the post, he shoots. 39% of the time he passes. 7% of the time he turns it over. And then 6% of the time he gets the free throw line. And obviously we know the defensive numbers are right there for him. He stands out on the team in contested shots and block shots and also in defensive rebounds. Uh, what are your thoughts about Pirtle and just the way he's scoring lately? I mean, it should not come as a surprise to anybody that he's scoring that much from the paint. And basically all of his shots are coming from there. He uh, like you said, he he gets set up on a lot of his stuff, or he's getting putbacks, or he's cleaning up uh, offensive rebounds. So uh, that's not terribly surprising. It's it's a little surprising that I guess the the average of points in the paint is as high as it is, just because he doesn't you know he doesn't have plays called for him. He doesn't uh, you know he he basically creates all of his own offense off cutting offensive rebounds, things like that. So, I mean, that's an excellent number for him and I hope he can keep it up because that's the kind of stuff the Spurs desperately need right now. Um, Especially because he's basically their one true big that they have and is playing meaningful minutes. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so definitely, um, you know, regards to Porto, how he's playing right now, again, it was, it's just six games. Though. I do want to, I do want to comment on that. Just say that it's a very small sample size. So before yeah. we close out this episode, um, Spurs cast sisters, don't forget to visit project spurs.com. Uh, you know, Steven Anderson, uh, Steven Michael is keeping you um, updated on how the team's doing with his game by game analysis. Uh, Jonas Clark ha- uh, is also keeping you up to date on how the G how the, Sp- the Austin Spurs are doing in the G league. And then of course, Ben, uh, you know, now that I have you on uh, for this episode, um, you know, you continue every, every week to, to write your, your Spurs prospect watch series for project Spurs. Your latest uh, piece was on uh, Benedict uh, Matherin. I don't know if I said that right. Yep. Uh, but, but before we go into just, you know, you can talk a little about him, but, but before that, Ben, I just wanted to ask you since you haven't been on in a while, you know, how are you from, from, uh, uh, you know, someone who's, who's evaluating, you know, what kind of pick this point, what kind of player the Spurs need in the draft? Uh, how are you kind of looking at this season, considering that, that right now, you know, if, if the draft was held today, they have, they'd be seventh in the lottery, you know, uh, in terms of their odds right now. But this team's also still kind of right there in that play-in um, game hunt. So how are you kind of evaluating uh, both like position, what you're looking for, and then also kind of just, I guess, like the, the range for, for prospects? Yeah, I'm doing a lot of hate watching. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I, 
Yeah, I, I frankly, I need the Spurs to decide if they're going to try and make a play in this year or if they're going to just be bad. Because yeah. <laughs> if they're just going to be bad, that makes my job a lot easier. There's like five guys you need to look at, and that's it. But if they're going to try and make a playing game, which I'm sure they are, your, your range widens considerably. And you're, you know, I'm now looking at. I was looking at mostly bigs, you know, the, the Palo Bancaros, Jalen Duran, Chet, and Jabari Smith. But if the Spurs can't get into the top three or four, those guys are off the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there, you know, that's just the way that is this year. There's, there's no real transcendent clear number one. So any kind of any of those, any of the three of those, you know, not Jalen Duran, but any of the other three guys could easily go number one and, there's justification for it. So that's going to be kind of brutal, but I'm trying to mostly look at bigs forwards. There are some wings, maybe some bigger wings. Uh, Benedict Mathurin is one of those guys. He's six, 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 seven, depending on who you ask. He's super bouncy. Um, his, he's got a good shot right now. He carries the offensive. He carries the offense for Arizona right now. And they're a very good team. They, they're one of the top scoring teams in the country. And of course I say that, but on Sunday they got held to 57 points. Um, that was like the first time I think all season they got held below 70. So um, that, you know, they're, they're a very good offense usually, and he's the leader of that offense. So I like him a lot. Uh, the guy I'm writing up next week is actually another Arizona guy, uh, Christian Coloco, who's seven, one, runs like a gazelle, very good shot blocker and rebounder is becoming a better shooter, but he's probably a guy who you can get. If you're the Spurs, you can get him at your 32nd pick or whatever that pick ends up being in early mm-hmm. in the second round. So it's, it's weird. They, there, there are a bunch of guys they can get that are at the beginning of that second round that are really not that bad players, but they're going to end up there because of, yeah, the draft is somewhat weak and there's no clear top there. There's a clear top four or five, but there's okay. not anything clear after that. So it's going to come down to what teams value, you know, what, what the teams before the Spurs pick value and, you know, the guys after them, what they're valuing at, at that pick that they have before the Spurs basically make one of the top three picks in the second round. So this is interesting. So you so you do think that it's like a top four or five, right? That's like those are like the locks, those kind of players, like yes, pr- really good. It's, okay, so yes. this is interesting. So, okay, now I kind of know what you mean by you know for the Spurs to decide which route they're going to go because as I'm actually looking up the general standings right now, um, they are two and a half behind from from being at the, in the tenth spot of the playing game, but they're also just uh, one game away behind the Pacers for the fifth for the fifth spot, or 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 we could just say three games behind the Thunder for the third for the fourth spot. So yeah, they're pretty far away from um, you know, I think Orlando, whew, Orlando and Detroit have kind of made it, they've they've done their best to make sure they got the best two. Yeah, they've made it pretty so, clear they want a top I mean, three pick. The Spurs definitely are not far from Houston and and or OKC and, and the and you know the Pacers. Like I think so now I kind of see why you say you hate watching the Spurs. <laughs> yeah, man, that's got to be you tough. Get yeah. So you yeah, get it I now. get it now. So that's that's like now I'm gonna put in my brain and keep an eye on you know just how far are they from that number five spot? You know, at five and four because those are very very much in play. I mean, you can t- definitely tell. And and I thought that. You know, as soon as you know the team got healthy after health and safety protocols, they 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 start getting back on that winning track like they were playing in, in um 
in December, but actually they're kind of having some, some trouble right now. They're, uh, you know, now that they have their, their, their main three of, of Pirtle, White, and Murray back, they're, they're only two and four in these last six games. So again, I think that, you know, it's just really weird, different how to read this team. I think, I think I agree with you. It's just, it's hard to get a reading on what route they're going to go. They're going to head toward. Man, so. Yes. Uh, it's infuriating to say the least <laughs> yeah so that yeah i agree with you then probably not a fun season for you and yeah just just you know for me i look at a lot of the numbers and i'm just like okay they're playing like this in, in november december and then you know i think that okay they're healthy they'll get they'll get back to this kind of uh a mode and then nope they're now like i just said they're one in three when, when we started recording today so again it's it's an interesting um you know season to watch first cast sisters we know that pop is you know coach pop has been on the record of saying this is a rebuilding year for the team so we'll kind of see what direction they go in you know i think that like what ben and i said they're going to continue to try to fight to be a playing team we'll, we'll see if they can if they can get there or not and who knows what kind of moves they make here at the deadline in 14 days so thanks to ben for joining me here on the spurs cast thanks also to michael de leon for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at project spurs stay safe and have a great day credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.